Let's join the worship center at Life Church, where the service is already in progress. We're glad that you come to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. And I want to talk to us for a few minutes as we uh, go into this time of thankfulness this week about having a life full of things. God wants us to have a life full of things. That it's not just a, a one-day type of situation. That it's an everyday lifestyle of thanksgiving and gratitude and giving glory to God. That it's an everyday lifestyle of worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God is looking for us to have an everyday lifestyle of thanksgiving. You know, people will stop and be thankful on one day, but God is looking for us to be thankful on every day. And uh, so God is looking for a lifestyle of thanks. First Thessalonians 5, 16-17 tells us to be happy and rejoice in our faith and be glad-hearted continually and always. Be unceasing in prayer, praying perseveringly, and thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstance is, for this is the will of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. So God is looking for us to be happy, to rejoice in faith, to be glad-hearted continually and always. Notice that God is looking for us to be continually glad-hearted, always glad-hearted, always looking to thank the Lord, always looking to be happy. I have found in my life that to rejoice and to be happy is a choice that I make. I'm not going to wake up in the morning and be, oh, man, this is awesome. Now, some of you may be morning people. Bless you. You've got that gift of the Spirit. Because that, that, that gifting wasn't given to me from the Lord. You know, wake up and be like, oh, yes, it's another day. Praise God. Hallelujah. So excited. It's more like, oh, my Lord, it's praise of God. <laughs> it got cold overnight. I'm gonna get out of I'm not naturally a get up and be excited in morning person. But I found that I can choose to be if I want to be. I can make the choice to be if I want to be. Because to rejoice is a choice. To rejoice is a choice. Ephesians tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. God is looking for us to be rejoicing and, and glad-hearted always. Thank God in everything. Look at what it says. No matter what the circumstances may be. No matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks. No matter what's going on, be thankful and give thanks, no matter the circumstances. So, we find out in this verse of scripture that my joy, my thankfulness to God is not dependent on what is going on in my life. Everything could be falling apart all around me. And if you look at our world today, it seems like it's falling apart all around us. Everything may be falling apart all around us, but we can make a choice to rejoice. We can make 
make a choice to have a lifestyle of things, no matter the circumstances. No matter what the circumstances may be, we give thanks. We give thanks. No matter how bad the circumstances may be, no matter what's going on around us, we give thanks. Have you ever been going through a, a bad, rough season in your life? But you chose to rejoice anyway? You chose not to let it affect you? You chose not to be concerned by that circumstance and what was going on around you? You chose to rejoice anyway? I guarantee you, you stayed in that circumstance far less and you did not have as many issues as you would have had to begin with had you gotten down in the mully grubs, had you been upset, had you allowed yourself to get down and depressed and upset about what was going on. God is looking for us to thank Him in everything. Whether the circumstances are thankful or are good, I still thank you. When the circumstances are bad, I still thank you. No matter what's going on in my life, I will be thankful and give thanks. No matter how tough the situation that I face, I will be thankful and give thanks. Why? Because 1 Thessalonians tells us this is the will of God for us. Who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and the mediator of that will. So this is the will of God for me. It's the will of God that no matter what I face in life, I am thankful and I have a praiseful attitude to God. It doesn't matter how bad or tough the circumstances are. I remain thankful. It's the will of God for us to live a thankful and grateful life. A life of praise and honor and glory to God. Look at Psalm 107, 1 through 9. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy and his loving kindness endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the Red Sea and the south. Some wandered in the wilderness and solitary desert track. They found no city for habitation. Hungry and thirsty, they fainted. Their lives were near to be extinguished. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He delivered them out of their distresses. Why? Because they focused in on the Lord. They cried to the Lord, not to their neighbor in the day of trouble. Isn't it so easy to just go tell everybody our problems? Have you ever known someone who is like that? Every time you get around them, they have to tell you every single thing that's going horribly wrong in their life. It's like being around Eeyore. Well, I'm just here. It's all so bad. What do you normally do for the for with those people? You normally avoid them. Now that's not necessarily the right thing to do, but that's our inclination to run when you see them coming, because you know that nothing good is happening to them. God doesn't want us to live.
into that lifestyle. When things are going wrong, he wants us to, and when things are going right, he wants us to cry to him. He delivered them out of their stresses. He led them forth by the straight and right way into a city, uh, to go to a city where they could establish their homes. Look at the phrasing of that, of that sentence. He led them forth by the straight and right way. There is a straight and right way in which to walk. Jesus told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone comes to the Father, he's got to come by me. He's got to walk by me. He's got to come alongside me and walk this thing out. He led them forth by the straight and right way. God will lead us forth from trouble by the straight and right way if we will join forces with him and follow him. He will lead us from the trouble. He will lead us through the trouble and away from it by the straight and right way that they may go to a city where they can be established in their homes. And then he says, oh, that men would praise and confess to the Lord for his goodness and his loving kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul. God is looking for us to be thankful in all things, rejoice in all things. What did he tell us in Ephesians 5, 19 through 20? Speak out to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, it's biblical for us to build one another up. Praise with one another. That's one of the reasons that we come together for collective worship and, and collective time with God. So we can build one another up. So we can work on our relationships with one another and our relationship with God. So we can have this community of believers that's there for one another. That's all moving in the same direction. Speak out to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Don't speak out with gossip or anger or slander. Speak out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Offer praise with voices and instruments, making melody with all your heart to the, God, to the Lord. At all times and for everything, give thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus to God the Father. So we should give thanks in the name of Jesus to God the Father. Give thanks in the name of Jesus to God the Father. God is looking for a lifestyle of thanks at all times. That means that means that this worship lifestyle, this Thanksgiving lifestyle, this lifestyle of gratitude is not just for Sunday morning. It's not just for Tuesday night. This lifestyle of gratitude and thanksgiving and worship to God is a Monday thing. It's a while I'm at work thing. It's a while I'm driving down the road and nobody's watching me thing. It's an everywhere, everyday thing that God expects of us. A lifestyle of thanksgiving. A lifestyle of praise. A lifestyle of joy. Give thanks in the name of Jesus to God the Father. Why in the name of Jesus? We talked about that when we talked about the temple series. Because he's our high priest in heaven. He's interceding on our behalf. He's going to God on our behalf. And there's power in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus. So we praise in the name of Jesus to God the Father. Because there's power and authority in him and by him. Colossians 3, 15-17. Let the peace that comes from Christ... 
act as an unprimer continually in your heart. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind in that peaceful state. Now let's take a look at that for a second. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart as an umpire. Believe it or not, I used to play softball. I know, right? Go sports. And so, I used to play softball, and the umpire's job was to tell you whether you're in or whether you're out. And to call who was in and who was out. Whether it was a strike, whether it was a ball. Whether you're in, whether you're out. So God's peace works as this umpire in our life, telling us what is in and what is out. What we should think on and what we should kick to the curb. Because not every thought that enters our mind belongs there. Not every thought that comes into our heart and our mind deserves our time and our attention and our effort. Not every thought that pops up in our head needs to stay. Somebody does you wrong. Well, I, I just want to go get that person. I just want to get them back. They did something to me. I'm going to go do something to them. Now, does that thought belong in or out? Out, right? Kick it out. Kick it to the curb. Just because a thought comes into our mind doesn't mean that we have to think on it. What we meditate on, what we give place to in our life, what we think of and dwell on in our life will determine the direction in which we go. Think about this way. If you're driving down the car and you're looking off onto the side of the road and you're, oh man, that's a pretty scenery. Or if you're up in North Arkansas right now, I think they're all looking at elk or whatever. And, you know, oh, elk. And, you know, oh, pretty leaves. That's what they're doing in North Arkansas right now, too, watching the leaves change. And so, what do you, what does the car eventually start doing? Going in the direction where you're looking. And if you don't correct it, if you don't course correct that, you're going to end up, up off over the edge in the tree line. Why? Because the car goes in the direction in which you look, the direction which you place all of your attention and your focus and your effort. It's the same way in our life. Our car, our vehicle, the body that God has given our, our soul to move around in on this earth, it will move in the direction in which your soul and your spirit dwell and focus on and think on. So if you're always thinking on negative and focusing on the negative and focusing on everything wrong that's happened to you and I, then our life will start going in that negative direction and we'll start moving in the direction away from God because God has called us to a life of thanksgiving, not a life of negativity and, and being and being angry and upset and bitter and hateful all the time. He's called us to be joyful and thankful and praiseful all the time. And so if we focus in on this, and we focus in on everything that everybody's always done bad to us, then our life begins moving in that direction. Just because we think of God doesn't mean we have to think on it. Having the thought and thinking on it are two different things things. Well, I just can't control what I think. Yes, 
We can't control what thought pops up into our head. But God's peace can be an empire in our life and say, get that thing out. That's why the Bible tells us that we take every thought captive. We, we judge it against the Word of God. Does this belong? Is it worth my effort? Is it worth my attention? Is this thought, if I think on it, going to bring me closer to God or drive me further away from God? And if it's not going to bring us closer to God, we use what my dad used to call thought replacement therapy, and you replace it because you can't think on two things at once. Try it right now. You can't. You can only focus in on one thing at a time. You can come back to me. <laughs> you can only focus in on one thing at a time. You can't think on two things at once. You can replace it. Well, why, why am I supposed to replace it? Am I supposed to just think about puppies and, and flowers and, and rainbows? What am I supposed to think about then? We replace it with the Word of God. Why did David write, I'll hide his word in his heart that I won't sin? He knew the secret. When I feel that temptation to have uh, bad, angry thoughts towards others and, and bad, angry actions, and, and when I have that temptation to get out of the will of God and start walking in my own way, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, instead of His way, how He thinks and how He feels, the only way to guard against that is to replace all that temptation, all the thoughts of temptation, with the Word of God. That's why we have to know the Word. God. That's why we have to study to show ourselves approved. Second Timothy tells us a workman that needs not be see the first or second Timothy. I'll have to look it up. A workman that needs not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Studying to show ourselves approved and God. We need to be like the Bereans when the disciples were ministering. What the Bereans do? They didn't just take the disciples' word for it. They went home and they studied the word of God for their own self to see if what the disciples were saying was found in the word. And we've got to study and know the word so that when these thoughts and, and these temptations and these things come into our head that want to move us off of a lifestyle of things, we say, okay, that goes against God's word. That is out. You're out. And so we kick it out like an umpire does. You're out. Kick it out. It's deciding and selling with all finality back to Colossians 3 15. The questions that would arise in your mind. That peaceful state to which the members of Christ's body you were also called to live. And be thankful and appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your heart, in your mind, and dwell in you in all its richness. Why? Because if the word of God is in our heart and our mind, and we're thinking and we're dwelling and we're meditating on that, there's no room for the junk that the world has to offer. If our mind and our heart is fixed on the Lord, there's no room for the mess of the world. Let that dwell in you with all its richness. As you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom and spiritual things, as you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, make humility to God with his grace in your heart. Notice it says, dwell on the words spoken by Christ. Let them have their home in you as you teach and admonish and train one another in all 
insight and intelligence and wisdom. So what does that mean? Our lifestyles, whether we believe it or not, are teaching and training those around us. The things that we do, the choices that we make, are teaching and, and, and training and showing others all around us. And if we claim to be a child of God, we are setting an example for everybody around us. What type of example are we setting? Can we truly say, follow me as I follow Christ? Or would we be concerned if we knew? I mean, just let's just all think about our life for a minute. And then think about one of your best friends. Would you want your best friend to stand before judgment? And would I want my best friend to stand before judgment? Copying everything that I've been doing for the past month. Would I want my best friend to stand before God? Having done everything that I've done in the past month. And let that, what I've done and what I've said, be their judgment for eternity. When we live our life as a child of God, we are setting a standard for people to follow. You know that old saying that you've heard, you might be the only Bible that some people read? Our lifestyle, our conversation, the way that we conduct ourselves, sets the tone for those around us. And we need to make sure that as people see us, they don't see our will, our way, what we think. They see God's will, God's way, and what He thinks. A lifestyle of thanksgiving, living for God, living to make Him look good. And then He goes on to say, whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. An independence upon his person and giving praise to God the Father through him. So no matter what I do, I do it in the name of the Lord. If I'm driving down the road, I'm driving in the name of the Lord. What does that mean? I'm representing him. That means I don't give the one finger special to everybody that comes by me that I don't like. That means that I, I don't act with road rage and their craziness. But when I'm in Walmart, I am living, I'm doing that in the name of the Lord. So that means that I conduct myself in a manner that's pleasing unto God. I don't go off on the cashier because it took her 40 minutes to check out the person in front of her that and she only had two items. I don't I don't go and get something from the frozen fruits or frozen fruit and vegetable section and then leave it over in the in the toilet paper aisle because I decided I didn't want it. I do things with excellence. I do things the way that Jesus would do them. If Jesus was going through earth and, and he got some frozen chicken out of the frozen meat section, would he decide he didn't want it and leave it in the hairspray? No, I don't think he would. He would go back and put it. And I know that, oh, you know, Jesus bought chicken out of all. You know, I mean, that sounds a little ridiculous. But the principle holds true. We conduct our lifestyle in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everywhere and in everything. We conduct our lifestyle in the name of the Lord. Are we walking in the ways of the Lord in our everyday life? Not just on Sunday, not just on Tuesday, because we can get our halo straight long enough for a few hours a week, but what are we doing with it for the rest of the week? 
praised. It says in everything, no matter what you do, in word or in deed, what you say and what you do. So it's not just about if we're saying the right things, looking the right way, you know, if we've got our Jesus being on and our, our Jesus hoodie on and our Jesus bumper sticker, but it's what we're doing, how we're living out our life when other people are around and when no one is around. What are we doing? Are we living our life in the name of the Lord? Or are we living in our life in the name of our own self? A lifestyle of thankfulness is living in the name of the Lord, giving praise and glory to Him. Look at 2 Corinthians 9.15. Now thanks be to God for His gift, precious beyond telling, His indescribable, inexpressible, free gift. So we should thank God for salvation, that Jesus paid the penalty, the cross of our sin, and that we can be restored back to the Father. Psalm 106, 1 through 5 tells us, Praise the Lord, hallelujah! Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy, His love, and kindness endure forever. Who can put into words the mighty deeds of our Lord? Who can show forth all the praise that is due Him? Blessed and happy and fortunate to be envied. Those who observe justice, treating others fairly, who do right, and are in right standing with God at all times. Earnestly remember me, Lord, when you favor your people. Visit me when you deliver them and grant me your salvation, that I may see and share the welfare of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your heritage. I will praise you, Lord. What's he saying? I'll praise you. And Lord, I want you to lead me to do right and to walk right and to be right. Deliver me. Grant me salvation that I can be one of your chosen ones. Look at Psalm 105, 1 through 5. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. This is a trend, you know. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his doings among people. So, not only is this for you to personally give thanks to God, but you publicly give thanks to God. You make known his doings among the people. So, you are thankful to God while talking to others. So, we share. I'm thankful to God that he was able to, uh, you know, give me a job that I can go to. Maybe you got a promotion. I'm thankful to God. Maybe you, uh, you know, you weren't quite sure how God was going to work out a way for you to eat this week. I'm thankful to God. You know, we tell others, we share testimony with others about the goodness of God. It's not only a personal thing, but we share it with others, the how God has been good to us. Sing and praise Him. Meditate and talk on all of His marvelous deeds and devoutly praise Him. I've noticed when I start feeling down and I start feeling upset about things, if I think back on all the ways in my life, my 33 years, woohoo, of how God has taken care of me and how He's been with me at every step of the way, and how he's gone before me to make my way straight. 
even in dark circumstances. When I think on that, then what I'm going through at the moment doesn't seem so bad. Then the, the afflictions of the current and present time don't seem so bad. You remember a long time ago when Mom talked about altars of remembrance. I encourage you to get a notebook and write down all the good things that God has done. And just write it down. Anytime you recognize that God has done something good in your life, just write it down so you have these altars of remembrance, these places where you can go back to. And where does that come from? Well, in the Old Testament, every time the Lord did something great and marvelous, or every time he, uh, he had some type of a judgment or whatever, they, they would build an altar. You see them all the time building altars and giving sacrifices to God. When he did great things and, and when he delivered them out of battle, they wouldn't build an altar. And so we remember what God has done. Why? So when they pass, the children of Israel pass by that again, they can say, hey, honey, the parents can say, hey, honey, you weren't alive then. But there was this time where, where um, our, our people were in grave danger. But God delivered us. And this altar right here, it's in remembrance of that time where God delivered us. So I want you to always remember that God will deliver you if you will walk after him. That's what these, this notebook is for. And it can be a place where you can go. And, and have, you may say, well, I don't have anything to thank God for. If you, have, if you write it down, you will find that you have so many things to thank God for. So many reasons to so glory in his name. Let his hearts rejoice who seek and inquire and require of the Lord as an indispensable necessity. And require of the Lord and crave him and his strength. Seek and require his face and his presence continually forevermore. Earnestly remember the marvelous deeds he has done. His miracles, his wonders, the judgments and the sentences which he pronounced upon his enemies and in Egypt. So God wants us to remember the great things that he's done and remember the judgments that he's given. Why? Because we don't want to be found in the bad part of the judgment. You know, we don't want to be found receiving negative judgment from God. We want to be found having favorable judgment from God. And so we want to remember when he got serious with people, and when he did good things for people. So we can have a lifestyle of thanksgiving and remember to walk in his ways and his path. Colossians 4 2. Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. So when we pray, when we pray, it's not just presenting God a honey do list. And that's not what prayer is. That's not how that works. Prayer is not a honey-do list for God. Prayer is a time of intimate fellowship with God. There is a time in prayer where we make our requests known to God. So I'm not saying that we can't ever request things from God because making our requests known to God is scriptural. But if we look at prayer as a honey-do list for God, we are looking at it in the wrong way. Prayer is intimate communication 
and fellowship with God. And part of prayer is thanksgiving and praising and worshiping. Every time we pray, we should have a, a part of thanksgiving and praising where we worship God and we thank Him for who He is. It's not just when we present a list to God, although there is a time for making our requests known to Him in prayer. But prayer is so much more than that. It's intimate connection and fellowship with God. Psalm 100 tells us, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. See the trend? All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. So it's not like, oh man, I gotta get up and go to church this morning. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta go and be nice to that person. I don't want to be nice to them. It's not something you shouldn't look at our lifestyle in Christ as something that we gotta do, something we're obligated to do, but something that we get to do, that we have the honor and the pleasure of serving the King. What do people? In the White House, say, I'm sure they say a lot of things, but, but my, what I want to focus on is every single one of the staff there say that they serve at the pleasure of the president. They serve at the pleasure of the president. They aren't in the White House to do their own agenda, what they want to do, what they think about doing, how they feel like doing. Although they do offer up their opinions, at the end of the day, the buck stops with the President of the United States. And so they serve at the pleasure of the President. It's the same way with us. We serve at the pleasure of the King. God is looking for us to serve at the pleasure of the King. Not to make life about what we want, what we think, what we feel. But make it about what He wants, what He thinks, what He feels. And serve Him with gladness, not with obligation, but with gladness. I guarantee you, if a staffer in the White House were to always be down and negative and, and harping on and going off on every single thing that the president asked him to do, they wouldn't be in the White House very long because you served at the pleasure of the president. And it's like my parents used to say growing up, this is my castle. If you don't like the rules of my castle, go get your own castle. But when you're in my castle, we follow my rules. This is my castle. I am the king. I am the queen of the castle. And we are under my jurisdiction. It's the same thing in our lifestyle with God. It's his castle. It's his kingdom. And if we want to be in the kingdom, if we want to live in the castle, with all the, with all the rights that come with living in the castle, then we need to have all the responsibilities that come living in the castle tree. So serve him with gladness. Do it with joy. Don't do it with an Eeyore attitude, but do it with an excited attitude. Come before his presence with sin. Know that the Lord is good, God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful and say such to him and bless and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his mercy and loving kindness are everlasting, and his faithfulness and truth endure to all generations. What's that old song? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will praise this the day that the Lord has made. 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord. So, he said, this is what we're going to do. We're setting down the ark, and then we're going to praise God. We're going to pitch this tent, and then we're going to eat, and then we're going to praise God. And then they begin to praise, and they begin to sing. They said, sing. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. This was the song that they were singing. Make known his doing among the people. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Meditate on him. Talk of all of his wondrous works and devoutly praise him. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who rejoice and seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. And yearn for and seek his face. And to be in his presence continually. Earnestly remember the marvelous deeds which he has done. His miracles and his judgments. He has uttered. So, they took time to praise. They took time to praise. And if they did it in the Old Testament, and if Jesus did it when he was on this earth, and if the disciples did it after Jesus left the earth, how much more should we praise the Lord? You know, there's a flip side to this. For those who walk in a life without thankfulness to God, without praise to Him, going their own way, Romans chapter 1 has strong words for that one. Because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor glorify him as God or give him thanks. So these are people who aren't giving thanks to God, who don't have a lifestyle of thankfulness. But instead, now notice that there are people who knew and recognized him as God. So we're not talking about heathens here. Notice this is not talking about the heathen who doesn't know God. He said they knew and they recognized him as God. But they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks. Instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking. With vain imaginings and foolish reasonings and stupid speculations. And their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming the they became as fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. And by them, the glory, majesty, and excellence of the immortal God were exchanged for and represented by images resembling mortal man, birds, and beasts, and reptiles. Therefore, they gave them up in lust of their own hearts. Notice, these people knew God, but they didn't honor God. They didn't follow him. They didn't walk after him. They didn't walk in a lifestyle of thankfulness and obedience to God. They knew God, but they went their own way. And notice that the more that they went their own way, you can see this in our land today when we get in these next few verses, how knowledge of God and, and you know, people, people, think that just because they've made one prayer when they were a little kid that everything's fine and they can go live how they want to live and, and do whatever they want to do and they're all set. And that's not in the Bible. The Bible calls for a lifestyle of serving God. A lifestyle of things. A lifestyle of obedience. And look at what happened. Therefore, they, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin. 
because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Notice that. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. These are people who knew the truth, who knew God, who had a relationship with him, but they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Not every good thing, not everything that looks good is the word of God. That's why we must know the word of God. So that when we're faced with things that look like God, but lead to a path and a lifestyle against God, we know to stay away. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And then look at what happened after that. Then they served the creature rather than the creator. Does that not sound like our world today? We serve the creature rather than the creator. We serve the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, other people. We serve, you can see it in the movement of, of exchanging God for, for the earth. And, you know, we worship the earth and we give honor to the earth. You can see it in exchanging God for the love of money. And it's not money that's evil. It's the love and the misuse of it that is evil and leads you on a path of evil. You exchange the creator for a creature. And so they're no longer worshiping God. For this reason, God gave them over and abandoned them. You mean God abandoned them? Yes, he did. These are people who once knew God, but then they begin to believe a lie. They begin to believe something that was not the word of God. They exchanged that for the word. And God gave them over to whatever they decided that they wanted to do. And abandoned them to vile affections and degrading passions. And you'll see that this sounds like our society today. For their women exchanged their natural function for an unnatural and abnormal one. And their men also turned from natural relations with women and were set ablaze and burning out and consumed with lust for other men, for one another, committing shameful acts with men and suffering in their own bodies and personalities, the inevitable consequences and the penalty of their wrongdoing and going astray, which was their fitting retribution. Sounds like our society today. It is so important that we don't exchange the word of God for a lie. That we don't exchange the creator for a creature. That we make sure we know God's word in our heart so that we don't sin against him. And so since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of him or consider him even worth knowing, so these are people who once knew God. Now they don't even consider God worth knowing anymore. God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things not proper or unrighteous. 
iniquity and grasping and covetousness and greed and malice. They were full of envy and jealousy and murder and strife and deceit and treachery and ill will and cruel ways. They were secret backbiters and gossipers and slanderers and hateful and hating to God, full of insolence and arrogance and boasting, inventors of new forms of evil. I mean, they're inventing new kinds of evil. Disobedient and undutiful to their parents. They were without understanding, consciousness. They, they didn't even feel like they were doing wrong anymore. They had gone so far away from God. These are people who once knew him. At the beginning of this passage of scripture, it says these people knew God. They knew a relationship Consciousness and faithless. Heartless and loveless and merciless. Though they are fully aware of God's righteous decree. So they know the right way. They know the way in which to walk. They were fully aware of God's righteous decree. That those who do such things deserve to die. They did not only do them themselves, but they approved and they applauded everybody else who did it. Man, that sounds like our world today. That's bad. That's bad to me, Man, that sounds like our world today. These were people that knew God. That through forsaking a lifestyle of thankfulness, through forsaking a lifestyle of obedience, got to the point where they did not only do evil, but they were excited when everybody else around them did it too. Not only did they practice evil and men with men and women with men, women, but they were excited when other people did it too. Not only did they gossip and backbite and slander and hate and have arrogance and pride and lie and cheat and steal, but they thought it was just awesome if their kids did it. When we don't live a lifestyle of thankfulness and honor to God, we too can find ourselves on this slippery slope. Oh, that's not going to be me. We must honor God with a lifestyle of thankfulness. I don't want to be found having known God, but then get so far away because I changed, I switched believing the word of God for a while. I allowed myself to be deceived. I begin to worship a creature rather than the creator. And it led me to a lifestyle where I was excited when people did evil. God forbid. That's why a lifestyle of thankfulness is so important. It's not just like, oh, we're just all going to live positive, and it's going to be great, because, you know, that's the thing today. We just got to put out positive vibes, you know, put out cool vibes, and cool vibes come back. 
No, these are biblical principles. And there are important reasons why God tells us to have a lifestyle of thankfulness. Because if we don't live a life honoring God, worshiping Him, obeying Him, it can lead to Romans chapter 1. It can lead to that. And we see it in our world today. The people who are apathetic about God, who do their who do their holiday church going only, or, or their once a week only, they punch their Jesus card and then they're done. And they're apathetic towards the lifestyle of God. And we see the moral decay of our society. And we see this Romans 21 through 32 play out in our world today because people went away from a lifestyle of thankfulness. It's not just uh, trying to get everybody to be happy with them. This is a command of God for a reason. Because if we don't live with that lifestyle of thankfulness, it's easy to get on that downward slope away from God. God wants us to stay close to Him. To stay close to Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 1004. That's P.O. Box 1004, Monticello, Arkansas, 71657. Or you can email us at lci.monticello at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also check out our website. It's www.getlife.co. That's www.getlife.co. There you can find Pastor Kelly and Pastor Josh's sermon notes, and you can see what's going on all through the week at Life Church. We would love to have you in one of our services with us. Join us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for a worship service. Pastor Kelly ministers, and it's a great time in the presence of God. Or you can join us for Digging Deep on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pastor Josh digs into the Word of God, connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament, and giving us a fresh biblical perspective from God's point of view. We hope that you have a great week this week. Remember, go live to make God look good. God bless you till we're with you again.